Nick Cordova was the owner of a successful HVAC business in Arizona. He had a beautiful and loving wife and two children that he adored. Yes, he worked hard, but he did it for his family. He also made sure to make plenty of time for his kids. Even though he would work long hours, he would regularly take FaceTime calls from his kids after school. And it was during one of these phone calls the unthinkable happened. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Killing, Missing, Hidden, the podcast about bad things. I'm your best friend and host, your old buddy Brad, your former criminal defense trial attorney who loves you so, so much I watch you sleep. Just, just to make sure you're okay. There's nothing weird about it. Yes, I usually eat a popsicle in a very deliberate and slow manner as I watch you sleep, but... I imagine if someone filmed it, it would be a very artistic scene. We are back. It's 2023. And let me tell you, 2022 could not have ended on a worse note. This is just me venting. Sorry. I went from having the stomach flu to a sinus infection to an eye infection all during the last week of that wretched year. But the good news is I did have time to put in a good bit of work on the podcast. We've got a whole mess of episodes ready to go and record. In fact, it was hard to pick which one to lead off with, but we're going with this story. Really happy to have all y'all join in. Um, this is going to be our, our weekly story time of the tragic version, of course. It's an unsolved mystery, but we've got an interesting theory the internet has put together. So take a load off, sit for a spell. You know, if you're at work, just prop your feet up. Your boss won't mind. You're doing something important. You're learning. You're growing as a person and as an employee. If you're a mom at home with kids, I I don't know what to tell you because kids, nothing can stop the power of kids. So anyway, I'm going to get into this poor man's demise, and since we don't like banter up front, listen to the end for some of the changes we've got coming if you're interested in that. So here we go. So let me start off just by saying this is a tough case. I mean, there's no real trigger warnings necessary for this one besides, you know, murder, but it's still a really sad case. Nick was born in Scottsdale, Arizona, back in October of 1979. He graduated from Chandler High School in 1998, where he was a bit of a popular stud. He was a member of the football and wrestling team. Now, when he graduated, he worked as a personal trainer for a while, but he didn't find it to be particularly fulfilling, and he liked using his hands, so... He decided to make the move into the HVAC industry. Um, After working for another company for a while, he saved up and decided to purchase another HVAC business with a fellow by the name of David Sweetman. 
and it seemed like David was really more of the money man while Nick was the one who operated the business. So David didn't show up that much, you know, maybe once a month just to make sure none of the money was being wasted on, you know, drugs and video games and other stuff that I've seen people waste their money on. The business was known as Gilbert Air Heating and Cooling. And I believe the pair purchased the business in 2018. Now, Nick was really awesome at this HVAC stuff. And in case you don't know, I keep using that acronym. It's heating and air conditioning type work. Now, Nick wasn't, you know, maybe technically he wasn't the most skilled HVAC repairman out there. But customer service-wise, he was top-notch. And his business had some amazing reviews on Yelp and other places because he was the sort that just, if there was a problem, he refused to let it be. He was going to fix it. He would not leave a job unfinished. Plus, he was just really likable. He was just this really good guy that everybody gravitated to. And, of course, like any business owner, Nick worked his booty off. Officially, the business's office hours were from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., but, you know, it wasn't a wild notion to see, to think Nick was working until midnight on some days or showing up at the crack of dawn. He was doing what he had to do to get his business successful. Now, despite working so many hours, he was still considered to be a really good husband and father. He made time for his family in spite of all this. He married his wife, Alicia, in October of 2011. Together they had a boy named Cruz and a girl named Capri. Now, since he was his own boss, one of the advantages was he didn't have to miss you know, school plays or soccer games if he didn't want to. He was there for all the big important events. You know, yeah, he would miss some dinners, but by and large, all the things that were important to the kids and to his wife, he made sure to be there. Now, it wasn't Nick's plan to work himself to death, you know, well into his 70s. He really, what he wanted to do was just bust his butt for something like five to seven years and then either sit back and let his little HVAC empire grow or see if he couldn't sell his business for a tidy profit to one of the bigger companies. And he, it, that was really what he wanted to do. So then he could be a full-time stay-at-home dad, still provide for his family, and they could travel a lot. He had a real passion for traveling. So as part of being this really awesome dad, like I mentioned in the intro, he would often spend a few minutes each day FaceTiming his kids when they got home from school. Now, on May 27th, 2020, this is exactly what was going on in Nick's life. The kids had found some new neat trick on TikTok and wanted to show it off to their dad. And so they're laying on the living room floor with a phone while Alicia was washing some dishes in the kitchen. Suddenly, Alicia heard Capri scream and come running into the kitchen. She had tears in her eyes and was trying to explain what happened, but she was just overwhelmed by panic. But one thing was cleared. Daddy had gotten hurt. 
Alicia ran into the living room and picked up the phone they were using. The screen was in shadows, but the audio was still working. And she could hear this like horrible fight or struggle of sorts. So she picks up another phone and dials 911 and, you know, begged for the police to head to Nick's office. She was on the phone with him. He was being attacked. And getting off the phone with emergency services, she loaded her kids up in the car and began driving to Nick's office. She still had the FaceTiming phone going. So on the drive there, she was screaming into the phone, hoping that it would carry to where people could hear that police were on their way. They better leave Nick alone. They were in trouble if they didn't. That sort of thing. Sadly, though, once Elisa arrived at Nick's office, the police were already there and they were already putting up crime scene tape. Alicia ran towards the office, got around the first wave of officers, but was stopped before she could get inside the building. She was pulled aside by two veteran officers, and they confirmed her worst fear. Nick was dead. He had been murdered while on the phone with his kids. Now, fortunately, the way the camera fell, the way the phone fell, nobody could see anything. So it's not like they watched their dad get hurt. But you heard a whole mess of noise that didn't sound good. Witnesses reported seeing two men who were fleeing the scene before police got there. Police immediately went and pulled all the surveillance video footage they could from nearby cameras. And they believe they caught one of the two men at a convenience store that was just down the street. This one suspect was described as Hispanic or Native American looking, about five foot eight tall, or 1.7 meters, with a heavy set build. Uh, from looking at his picture, I'm willing to bet money the dude is Hispanic. He, he looks like he would fit in perfectly with my wife's family. He... He really looked like the T.O. that would be the one who's drunk by 3 p.m. and dances until he passes out around 10 that night. Now, cameras caught like a good picture of this man, like remarkably good for security camera. You know, we can we can get this photorealistic shot of a planet 500 million light years away, but we still can't identify people through security footage because it looks like it was drawn by a one-eyed I don't know kindergarten student but anyway this was a remarkably clear picture like there's no fuzziness there's no lines it's not in black and white like you can see the dude and even though we've got this amazingly clear picture of this guy's face he's never been identified He's wearing what I would describe as construction clothing. Uh, his shirt was stained with some white material, so maybe he worked in painting or drywalling, or he may have just been a handyman in general. Now, the timeline police put together was a bit unusual. Alicia was on the phone with 911 at 5.30 p.m., like 5.30 on the dot. Alicia had said her daughter began crying no more than five minutes before she called the police. Now, the timestamp on the video, this pristine video camera, was for 5.33. 
So these two men manage to enter the office, kill Nick, and get several blocks down the street all in less than eight minutes, we'll say. And not only that, it just so happened that David, you remember Nick's partner, David, he was there that day, and he was assaulted and knocked out, but not otherwise seriously injured. So that's a ton of activity in a very tiny window of time. Now, Nick's businesses also had security cameras, but police haven't released any of that footage. We also don't know the exact manner of Nick's death, but the rumors, especially coming from, you know, the, the Scottsboro community here, are that he was shot. He was fatally shot. Now, another oddity in this case that police have to deal with is it was Nick's routine to lock the door at 5 p.m. to the office. He wanted that time to be able to focus on his end-of-day paperwork in peace. He didn't want customers stumbling in or anything like that. He closed shop and did his paperwork. And that, I mean, that makes sense because this is also the time when he would be doing his bookkeeping and preparing deposits for the next day. Which means... These murderers also had to break into the office during this eight-minute window, which happened to be the perfect moment to strike. Oh, but here's one interesting fact. No one's reported anything stolen from the office. Neither David nor Alicia, nor Alicia they can't find anything that's missing. So these guys bum-rushed the office, attacked David, killed Nick, and left? Now, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but that one suspect that was caught on video, he, he did not have the look of an Olympic sprinter, let's say. I mean, he could maybe run to the bathroom in an emergency, but that's probably all the running he's done in the past 10 years. So I find it surprising that, you know, even if he's teamed up with Dwayne The Rock Johnson for this crime, that he could help incapacitate one man and kill a second man and get several blocks away in such a short time frame. It's not like David and Nick would have just sat there and let this happen to him. There would have been some degree of a struggle. I mean, heck, Alicia and the kids heard it happening. There's also the oddity that David happens to be there on the day the crime went down. He's never been named as a suspect or anything like that. But he only visits the business like once a month. Yet, for some reason this week, something was going on that necessitated him spending the entire week at the business. And while she's never pointed fingers, Alicia has publicly said, you know, this was unusual. This hadn't happened before. I also have to mention that the police reports on this crime they only mention one victim, Nick. They don't mention David, even though he was assaulted by these men. He should be listed as an additional victim. Now, what's interesting is we really don't know a whole lot about David. But this case kind of captured some Redditor's imagination. And you know how Redditor's can be. 
for better or worse, they can dig up a lot of information when properly motivated. And so these Redditors were from the true crime subreddit. They couldn't stay in this mystery, so they went poking around into David's life. And of course, they managed to find some very interesting things on David. They learned that David previously or currently owns a towing company in Tempe, Arizona. If you read the Redditors post, they say previously, but there's some information we're going to get into later that suggests to me he still owns it. And, you know, if you've ever had any real dealings with a towing company, this should raise a red flag. <laughs> I mean, there's always good ones. Don't get me wrong. I I've represented several tow truck uh, or record company owners that were really good guys. But it's just one of those businesses that seems to attract scam artists. And I've sued a lot of wrecking services for improperly placing liens on vehicles, refusing to release vehicles after paying the fees, or holding documents hostage. Like, I, I literally had to sue a tow truck company who had towed a car to their impound lot and had gone through the car and found the driver's child's birth certificate and was refusing to return that back to the driver without an extra fee. I mean, and it was something like an extra $200 or something like that, but this, this was a very poor family and that was a lot of money to them. And well, I remember having to get involved and basically saying, what, what kind of scum does this? I, I mean, I was just irate with, with these people. And once they got a lawyer, they were quickly advised to turn over the Dagum document and stop being pricks. Anyway, that's just an example of what you can deal with in this industry. Now, what David was accused of was towing vehicles that were legally parked stealing valuables from inside the towed cards. And he would even work with local businesses to kind of give them a cut of any cars that he towed from their parking lot. So I think there was a Taco Bell nearby that was in on it. And if you came there and you stayed a little too long, the manager was instructed to call David's tow company. They'd come tow your car David would charge whatever he charges to release it, and then he'd send a hundred bucks back to the Taco Bell manager. Also, redditors learned that David's ex-wife, who was, oh, what was it, a pediatric neurologist? Okay, she she did brain surgery on babies, and somehow married this man. Anyway. After they divorced, she passed away under some very odd circumstances. There wasn't a real criminal investigation, but it was it was odd. So basically, the two divorced, and during the divorce, his ex claimed that she was physically and mentally abused and that David had threatened her life on multiple occasions. Apparently, the final judgment in this divorce kind of crippled David financially. Even though he's married to this successful doctor, he had to pay out some money, and he didn't want to. 
So he was known publicly to be just furious at his ex. And again, this is all according to what Reddit dug up. His ex apparently told her friends she was scared that David would try to kill her and had specified that he knew a poison he could use that would kill her and police wouldn't be able to detect. This is something he had said during their marriage, during one of their fights. Well, lo and behold, this healthy 42-year-old woman is found dead in the bathtub and the coroner could never find a real cause of death. This pediatric neurologist just dies out of nowhere. Totally healthy, totally fine, divorces David, ends up dead. So it's a red flag. Now, after Nick's death, Alicia had to sue David, the HVAC company, and David's towing company in August of 2020. From what I could tell looking into it, the case is still pending. There's a pretrial conference set for February, so maybe we'll have a trial coming up this summer. I don't have access to Arizona court records, but I'm guessing what happened is David immediately tried to cut Alicia out of any potential avenue for getting her hands on the profits from the business and perhaps using his towing company to kind of intermingle those monies with the HVAC business's monies. Or what I think is most likely is he's probably using the successful HVAC company's profits to pay the towing company's debts. Something along those lines. I have found some allegations, no proof, just allegations, that David tried to doctor the incorporation paperwork of the LLC to take Nick off as an owner slash member. So the Reddit investigation may have some merit to it. There's a second action involving these two, these two being Alicia and David, that's pending in federal court regarding Nick's life insurance policy, where both Alicia and the HVAC company were named as defendants. It looks like the insurance company filed this suit basically saying, we've got a life insurance policy on Nick, but we don't know who to pay the money to, so court, would you please tell us who to pay it to? Now, it is entirely possible and common that when a business takes out a loan, the company could require one of the principals, here Nick, to get a life insurance policy to cover the debt associated with that loan should he die. You also get a loan to cover the expenses the business would need to stay in operation while they recover from a key individual's death in the policy. So word on the street is the life insurance policy was $3 million. Gilbert Eyre was the primary beneficiary with Alicia as the secondary beneficiary. But this was changed, allegedly, without Nick's knowledge, 
by Gilbert Eyre about 18 months before he was murdered and right after Nick purchased the business and insurance policy. So according to the documents I found, the policy was issued on November 28th in 2018, but was immediately amended unilaterally by Gilbert Eyre on December 19th. And that amendment was for the secondary beneficiary. So nothing is illegal about that, but it sure sinks to high heaven. So that's that's kind of the rabbit trail we have for this case. And yes, it's all coming from Reddit, just all internet speculation, rumors and all that, but they sure seem interesting. And so I felt like I needed to include it here. Now, for whatever reason, this case is kind of faded into the background of Arizona law enforcement priorities. In fact, not only has there been no arrests, there's not even a suspect besides the guy caught on the gas station surveillance video, and nobody has been able to identify or put a name to him. We don't know anything about the second individual involved, what vehicle they were driving, nothing like that. So it looks like it's going to be a cold case, despite some pretty decent evidence, which is sad. As you can no doubt tell, I am all over the idea that David is behind all of this. I'm definitely making assumptions, but it's based on my experience. But I want to put that warning out there to not take my word as the gospel here. But that's the direction I would be heading in if I were investigating this case. David just strikes me as all kinds of shady. He's connected to two deaths that are both suspicious. I can't fathom the idea that two individuals would break into an air conditioning repair office, knock out one man, kill the other, and take nothing. And David being knocked out, yet reporting that he was uninjured, doesn't jive with me. I mean, being knocked out is kind of a big deal. You generally are looking at some sort of damage to the brain to make this happen, you know, unless you're dealing with a really skilled martial artist or MMA fighter who can cut off the oxygen flow to your brain. <laughs> but uh, you've got eight minutes to do this and get away. So you can't, you know, put him in a, some sort of chokehold and, and wait for him to pass out. So I don't... I don't believe that David was knocked out based on the evidence we have in the public sphere here. Well, and, and, and again, the motivation to break into this office yet take nothing, okay? Why do you do that? Why does a criminal do that? People break the law because it gives them some sort of benefit in their mind. If you're stealing stuff, it's to improve your situation financially. If you're killing somebody, it's to get rid of somebody from your life. You know, it's all, it's almost always designed to improve some aspect of your life. How does this help your life by just randomly breaking into a business, killing a stranger, and taking nothing? 
I just can't think of a good motive for doing that. And as I've ranted about, I don't trust tow truck companies at all. Like I said, yes, there are good ones. I've represented them. They try to do what's right and what's fair. But I've sued so many more that are really, really shady. And I feel pretty confident saying that David's company may fall into the shady category based on the internet complaints and the Reddit sleuthing. Now, again, like I mentioned, monkeying around with the life insurance policy really isn't illegal or violative of any law, or at least any that I'm aware of. Arizona may have their own statute, and since I don't practice there, I wouldn't know it. But again, the whole purpose of that insurance policy is to make sure the business can continue to operate and survive after Nick dies, which means David would get the proceeds as the only living member of the LLC. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I would work under the theory that the two killers were associates of David. I mean, I imagine David could give them a nice chunk of change to pull off the hit and then flee the country. If $3 million is at stake, spending 50 k on Hitman is a pretty solid investment. Plus, this, I, this takes place in the Scottsboro area, specifically in Gilbert, Arizona. According to Google Maps, you can get out of the country in less than three hours from Gilbert, Arizona. So even from the concession stand, they hop in a car, they drive three hours south, and that's going to be much more quickly than the police can really get themselves and their investigation organized and moving in the right direction. So I think it's entirely plausible that they could have gotten across the border before any sort of alert went out saying, hey, we're looking for these individuals. And we don't know what's on that surveillance tape. And I think that cuts in David's favor. Well, I'm sorry, the surveillance tape from inside the HVAC business. I think that cuts in David's favor because police have to have believed his story to some degree him not to have been named as a suspect or detained in any way, or I haven't found any information that he was ever detained. Or it could be that David thinks he talks a good game, the police are letting him talk and talk and talk, all the while knowing that they've got something that'll really pull his pants down. And think about it too from David's perspective. If he, if he, he's managed to pull off the murder of his ex-wife, who was a very prominent, successful doctor. And again, this is all alleged. This is all from internet speculation. Well, if he's done that, he's probably pretty comfortable planning a second murder. And if he did this, he was smart about it, okay? So long as the hitman, who again, we have an ironically good picture of, doesn't resurface, it's very likely this case won't ever be solved. And understand, nothing going on within the business appears to be criminal. That was looked into. Everything was on the up and up. I think it was David taking advantage of Nick's kindest position here. You know, Nick wanted to run this business. He wanted to own it. 
He needed some help. David seems like a shark who would take advantage of someone if it meant he could get ahead in life. And so he lets he's letting Nick go out there and bust his butt every day, building this great company. And then David can either sit back and enjoy his cut of the profits or once it reaches a certain value, conceivably you can have Nick taken care of. David would be the only member remaining and he could sell the business and keep all the profits from that. Now, when I say nothing criminal is going on, if this murder theory is right, obviously that's, that's a little criminal, but otherwise nothing's really going on. Now, like I said, I'm afraid we'll never see a resolution to this one. Nick's murder I would say is likely forever going to remain unsolved. I mean, kudos to the internet community for doing so much research on this case. Again, no idea if any of this is true because so much of it is based off of, well, I know a guy who said this. Some of them did have documents, um, you know, particularly the ones that had complaints about the tow truck business. But regardless, it paints a really interesting story. If you live around Gilbert, Arizona, please don't go making a citizen's arrest based off of this episode because this is all kind of rumors and speculation from people we don't know, and you'll probably end up getting sued. But I do hope that there's some closure to this. I, I'm very interested to see what happens in the civil lawsuits. I suspect the insurance company will end up paying that $3 million policy to the HVAC company and not to Alicia. Regarding her civil suit in state court, that could be different. I, I mean, for all I know, David is a meticulous record keeper slash forger, and he's able to get away with all this, but... Once you can show a court that you're mixing money between two businesses, you really get a microscope forced down on you. So that'll uh, that'll be interesting to, to see how it comes out. So for our palate cleanser, which I know you all have got to go a month without a new one, and I apologize for that. So we've got a brand new one, a joke that no one has ever, ever heard because my youngest child came up with this all on his own and asked me to include it in an episode. And since I'm not in control of anything in my life, here we go. What did Yoshi say to Mario when he saw Birdo? Now, you really need a background in Super Mario Brothers to fully appreciate this one, but what did Yoshi say to Mario when he saw Birdo? Yoshi, fine. So, from the mind of a seven-year-old. It's not that bad. It's, I mean, we've definitely had worse. Okay, well, that's going to put a wrap on another episode. So, listen. We need you guys to keep sharing the word so we can keep growing and feeding my insatiable ego. That's what we all love, the cocky, insufferable Brad, right? I mean, that means you need to wake up every morning or before you go to bed at night, ask yourself, what have I done for Brad today? No, I kid, I kid.
I mean, partially. Uh, always, always, always would love for y'all to rate, review, share, support us in general. Now, one thing I'm working on and hope to have up soon by the end of the month is a Ko-Fi page for this this little this little show here. We did a Patreon what last year, the beginning of last year. I never liked it. I didn't like how they have things designed. It was a lot of extra work for anyway, they, you know, took big cuts of fees and and it just it wasn't worth it and I I couldn't do it in such a way so that I felt like I wasn't cutting content from the regular feed in order to create the Patreon feed. So, total redesign here. Ko-Fi is great because it allows for so much more than just podcast episodes. Like, I can create special merchandise just to sell through Ko-Fi and things like that. So... We are going to have membership tiers. I will say this for sure. The lowest membership tier will only be $2 a month. We are going to have at least one special Ko-Fi episode every month. I've already got January's picked out. And the way we're going to do this is Killing, Missing, Hidden. The general feed is going to focus a lot more back on true crime. And then we're going to let the Ko-Fi feed, or the coffee, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, focus on the cryptids and the paranormal and the things like that. Our first episode is going to be a cryptid episode. So if you want more Brad, which we all do, and you like the paranormalish and mysterious episodes, the Ko-Fi may be for you. There'll also be other benefits. Uh, we're going to create a Discord in case people want to talk to me for some reason or others that listen. There's going to be at least you know a few different tiers so you can get benefits. And I know the top tier is going to get a very special episode once a quarter, basically. A very and again, we've been working on that one too. It's going to be very in-depth uh researched on a topic and it may not necessarily be within the traditional killing missing hidden scope so if you want to hear about things that just interest me that we do a deep dive on that'll be the place to go we're also going to have early access to certain episodes on there as well i figure that doesn't really mess up the regular feed too much so anyway, those are the ideas. It's all going to come together this month. But I wanted to give you all a heads up on that. We've also still got the merch store, as always. If you want to get some of the very unusual designs I come up with for our show and you want to support the show, that's the way to go. I am too generous, and I set the prices on the products about as low as I can go, so we really don't make a ton. But no, I would rather y'all have a shirt than make money at this. So I'm just mainly trying to cover my costs in all of this. So please go check it out. 12 new designs every month. If you live in the U.S., it's free shipping on everything. 
And I'm going to end the episode here, family. Your assignment this week is to enjoy a nice walk in nature. It'll improve your mood or get you mauled by a wild animal, which will give you a heck of a story to tell at parties in the future. So it's kind of a win-win. You know, even the worst case scenario gives you something. All right. Well, from the great and beautiful state of Alabama, I will close by saying, Brad out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.